I was listening just a few weeks ago to a, a talk by Pastor Chris Hodges, uh, who pastors the uh, Church of the Highlands in uh, Alabama and Georgia. And I've had the privilege of meeting Pastor Chris from time to time. He came out of Larry Stockstill's church, who I've been close friends with for uh, many years. And uh, it's kind of exciting to hear of a church in the United States right now that is absolutely just flourishing and just nailing it. You know, they, they're, um, they're in uh, Alabama and Georgia. They're in 25 live stream locations. They gather in buildings all across the, in 25 locations. Also, they're in 21 correctional facilities live streamed on Sundays into those correctional facilities. They, they, they have like an average weekly attendance of like 60,000 uh, people, a thousand decisions a week of people coming to Christ. Don't, doesn't that just encourage you that, you know, because uh, we're not, we, you know, we don't seem to be hearing or getting much information about some of the great things that are happening uh, right now. And uh, I was listening to one, a, a talk that he gave and it really touched me and uh, they're concerned in America you know, with the whole political situation and the, the government and, and just just lots and lots of stuff. And Pastor Chris is trying to pastor his church and these uh, beautiful American Christians through a season and through a time. And in that talk, he said something that, man, it just really, really touched my heart. He, he said, you know, he's not sure about um, uh, what's about to happen. He said, but here's what he thinks is about to happen. And as he shared three things that he felt uh, that we would see an increase of, it just, to me, it just rung every bell in my heart. It just sounded profound. It sounded prophetic and also very, very scriptural. And so I want to share with you this morning on, uh, and, and I, and I want to give full credit to Pastor uh, Chris Hodges now, he said all, what he said was in a sentence, but what I'm going to say is in a full talk today. And three trends in this day and age that we are living in that are going to increase even into the days ahead. So would you reach your hand out towards me, please, and, and pray for me. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. I'm so excited to hear great reports like of, of some of the great things you're doing in places in the world, Lord, like what you're doing there in Highlands Church. And Father, I ask as I talk this morning that I think what I'm saying is prophetic. I pray it is. And I pray it will help and lift and encourage us. And also, Lord, give us insight uh, into the day we're in and into the days ahead. And Father, I give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your prayers. The Bible talks about us becoming like the sons of Issachar, who can discern the times, who can discern the day that we're in. And so three trends that we are going to see increase. Pastor Chris said the first thing that he thinks is going to increase is hostility. Hostility. Now, I want us to begin this morning in the book of Acts in chapter 3. So Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple to pray. And as they walk up to the temple, there's a lame man who has been lame from his birth, who now we find out in the story, he's over 40 years old. So at least for three decades, 
this man has sat there near the, 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 the gate of the temple. And I would say an entire generation of people have walked past him on their way to the temple. And how many thousands and hundreds of thousands of people would have gone to the temple in the last 30 years? And so they would all have known, recognized who this man, now well into his 40s, who he is. And now John and uh, Peter, they're just going up to the temple to pray. They don't know what's about to happen and what's about to take place. And that this day is going to end up like a wild day that will be recorded in the book of Acts. And so on their way up to the temple, this man is begging. And he's begging for a coin. He's begging. uh, He's from birth been completely lame. And Peter looks at him and he tells him, I don't have any money. But what I have. I give you, and instead of putting money in his hand, he puts his hand in his hand, and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That guy jumps to his feet, and he begins hopping and popping around, and and it's just like uh, unbelievable, and just this rumble, and this crowd starts gathering, and I mean a huge crowd. I mean a, a, a massive, not just hundreds, this massive crowd, and they see this guy that they've probably seen all their life. And here he is, he's, he's clinging to, to, to Peter and John, and he's jumping, and, he, and he's bouncing. And the next thing you know, there is a crowd of uh, thousands. And so Peter takes the opportunity, and he begins to decree how this man is walking right now. This man is walking right now because of Jesus Christ, who, the, who was just killed. But he has risen from the dead, and the power of this name has raised this man up. And they're looking with their eyes, they're hearing with their ears, this amazing incident that happens. Well, it doesn't take very long for the captains of the guards of the temple chiefs and Sadducees and all of that to come running. And they gather together. Now, they, they, of course, they arrest them, they confine them, and then they release them. I'll get a little deeper into the story in just a few minutes. But I want us to pick up right after they've been released. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, They raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea. That's what Trevor was talking about just a few minutes ago. And all that is in them. And not only that, but who by the mouth of your servant David, what 1,000 years ago said this, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together. They took their stand against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do what your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. And now, Lord, Look on their threats. Look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak 
your word. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and verse 12, And from the time that John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, forcefully advancing from John the Baptist, Jesus said, until now. Forcefully, not retreating, not being stifled, but advancing, advancing, and violent people are attacking it. So this hostility... This raging of nations against God and against his Christ. It's not current, new, novel. It's not like, wow, what the heck? What's happening? What's going on here? As a matter of fact, this hostility against God and his Christ began even that thousand years uh, later, uh, before when David spoke, way even before that, we can find it where we started with the offering talk this morning, back in the book of Genesis, in chapter 3. And when Satan is now being confronted by God, and here's the woman, and here's the man, and this is what God says in verse 15, to the serpent, to the Satan, He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed, you know, your offspring, those that come forth in your image with your heart and with your desire, your seed and her seed and her seed shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel or another translation says, snap at his heel. I will put enmity between you and the woman. The word enmity literally means hostility and hatred. Hostility and hatred. You know... Just as we dedicated little William here a few minutes ago, when Jesus was eight days old, Mary and Joseph take him to the temple for the ceremony of circumcision. And as they walk into the temple, the old prophet Simeon is there. He's been waiting all of his life for this. And we read in Luke 2 and verse 34, Simeon blessed them. And then he says to Mary, the woman (laughs) who's holding her seed, her son, he says to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. Some are going to fall and some are going to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God and many will oppose him. And later, the Hebrew writer would say this, chapter 12, verse 3, consider him, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility. He's speaking of Jesus. He's speaking of the Christ, the Lord and his Christ. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. You know why we should consider it? So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted if you happen to also live in a hostile environment. Yeah. 
as well. And then the Apostle Paul. He would find himself coming into a town of Antioch. And this was his custom. He would, he would go to the synagogue. And uh, here he was new and out of town, out of country. And so he's in the synagogue. And so the elders, the leaders of the synagogue say, do you have any news for us? Is there anything you would like to share? <laughs> Paul said, boy, would I. And Paul stands up and does what he does. And he preaches that Jesus, the Messiah, has come and that he was crucified, and that he rose from the dead. Now, they're hearing this for the first time, and so uh, service is, is over, and they said, would you come back next week and expound on this some more? And um, so the next week, the Bible says the entire city came to church. <laughs> the entire city came to church. And here's what we read in Acts 13 and verse 45. But when the Jews saw that next Saturday, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming and opposed the things spoken by Paul. This isn't novel. As a matter of fact, 1 John 3 and verse 13 says, don't be surprised, friends, when the world hates you, hostility, enmity. Don't be surprised, friends. This has been going on a long time. This hostility against the Lord and his Christ began there in the Garden of Eden, man. You know, part of my personal Christian life, I don't want to just be a public Christian, I also want to be a real Christian. <laughs> like that kid that said, Mom, is Dad preaching or is he telling the truth? No, I, 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 don't, I don't want to be that. You know, I, I, with all my heart, I want to be the, 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 the real Christian with all my heart, whether I was ever in ministry or whether I ever stood before anybody. But you know, I part of my life, my daily life, my, my disciplined life, I pray, is I, I, confess, daily professions and daily confessions. They just help adjust me and align me and straighten me and focus me every day of my life. And you know, for years now, part of my daily confession has been this. I am not afraid of the enemies of God. I am not afraid of the enemies of Christ. I am not afraid of the enemies of the cross. And I'm not afraid of the enemies of the church. Why should I be afraid? The enemies of God should be afraid, yeah. not me. Yeah. I mean, when you set yourself up as the enemy of God, I can't, you're like the living God, like the consuming fire God, like the real God, like the holy God, not like the little God that is made up in Hollywood, but, but true God. When you set yourself up as an enemy of God, you're the one that should be afraid, yeah. not me, because I'm, by grace and by Jesus, I'm a friend of God. And he is obviously more than that to me. So three trends that we are going to see increase. Hostility. But number two is harvest. Come on, somebody. Harvest. Harvest. So now let's go back. Let's go back to this man 
there at the temple who's jumping and praising and shouting and preaching and, 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 and declare, he's a, and the crowd that is gathered. So now let's just go back to uh, verse 1 of Acts 4. So here's Peter preaching the resurrection of Jesus, and here's this man rising up and down off the ground who's never been able to get up off the ground. And as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, and being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, they laid their hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, oh, however, however, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Hostility, however, however, as they were taken into custody, many who heard the word. And that's what's happening right now as the kingdom of heaven goes forth. Many hear the word. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to whoever believes it. Can't believe it until they hear it. And that's our, that's our vocation. Our vocation is to be his witnesses. And so, and so many heard the word and believed. The very same day there was hostility, there was harvest. Like unbelievable, like in one day, 5,000 men. And we don't know about the women and children, and, and, and we don't know about the influence of the 5,000. Harvest. Harvest. Everywhere the gospel goes, there's harvest. There's harvest. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, about being in Ephesus. Now, here was Ephesus, godless. Here was Ephesus, the city of Diana. Here was Ephesus. Just, you talk about godless? We can't even hardly imagine the godlessness of a city like Ephesus. And Paul says this about Ephesus. He says, there is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. Harvest is here in the midst of hostility. And Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. And he said, you know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you. Well, we do remember how badly Paul and Silas were treated at Philippi. We do know that they went from trying to worship them as gods to throwing them in prison and beating them and putting them in stocks and putting them in the inner prison where they sang there at, at, at midnight. Paul says, you know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you in Thessalonica and how much we suffered there. Yet, however, however, our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. Harvest. Harvest. We know that in Philippi, a great church was birthed out of that beating. 
great church, the Philippian church, was birthed out of the beating of Paul and Silas. That very jailer that beat them was like the pastor of the Philippian church before breakfast. As his family and him, he was baptized. And that church was birthed and born. And that church has gone on in the New Testament as such a great example to all of us. And then Paul would write these words to that church, to the Philippian church. Paul would say in Philippians 1 and verse 28, not flinching or dodging in the slightest before the opposition. Man, I want that to be our mantra today. I want this to be our mantra, not flinching or dodging in the slightest before the opposition, which has been here since Eden. Not flinching or dodging in the slightest before the opposition. He said, your courage and unity will show them what they're up against. It's not what we're up against. It's what they're up against. Defeat for them, victory for you, and both from God. This isn't what we're up against. It's what they're up against. And possibly this morning, the greatest harvest in history is happening right now in China. 1,443,000,000 souls in China. A nation that's hostile to Christianity. And yet the latest... Stats on the growth of Christianity in China, which has just been off the charts for years. It's not decreasing. It's increasing to the point that this morning, the conversion rate is nine times greater than the birth rate in a nation of 1,443,000,000 people. The most hostile nation in the world is experiencing the most harvest in the history of the world. Jesus said, and you can go to the bank on this, I will build my church and the gates of hate and the gates of hostility and the gates of harassment shall not prevail against it. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is it's like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest, kind of insignificant, kind of you just walk right over, kind of you don't even give it the time of day. It's kind of like walking past someone in Paris and they go, no, bad, sorry, bad. I don't know where that came from. I need to forgive them. I need to. I need to forgive them. Love you, Paris. Love you, Paris. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, insignificant. But it becomes, come on, it becomes, and it's becoming. It becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows. It grows. It grows into a tree. And birds come and make nests in the branches. Jesus also said that the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Yeast that a woman used in making bread. I've watched Carol make bread, and I don't know. I know that yeast is small. It is little bitty little beads, at least, that she's had in a packet. But I've even heard of places that there is enough 
yeast in the air. It's so small, it's so little, just little particles in the air could be enough to actually make a, uh, a sourdough or, or, or something like that. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. And even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, guess what the kingdom of heaven is like? It's like permeating every part of the dodo. It's like permeating every part of the dough. Now, I, a few, early this year, uh, on one of my earlier talks, I gave this, this statistic. It's estimated that at the end of the first century, 70 years after the, the death and, and resurrection of Jesus, that it's estimated that there was one Christian for every two and a half thousand people on the planet. But by the end of the second century, that was cut in half. And it's estimated that by 200 A.D., it was now one Christian for every 1,250 people. But by the end of the third century, it was cut in half seven times. And it was for every one Christian, there were 42 people. But at the end of the 20th century, like 40 years ago, the latest statistics said at that time that today... For every Christian, there are three people. And we are living in a generation right now that's watching harvest all over the earth that I believe with our own eyes before we go, it'll be one and two. An increase in hostility, an increase in harvest. Jesus said in John 4, 35, you know the saying four months between planting and harvest? Jesus said, wake up and look up. Jesus said, wake up and look around. The fields already are ripe for harvest. Can we discern the age? Can we discern the time that we are living in and what's coming? An increase in hostility, an increase in harvest, and thirdly, an increase in holiness. Holiness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Holiness. Not only an increase of harvest in the world, but holiness in the heart of God's people. An increase, an increase, a pressing in, a passion, a pursuing of personal holiness. Holiness. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness, with holiness, a heart blazing with holiness. And the Hebrew writer 
said in Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people. And, and that's, what, by the way, that's our heart and our attitude toward hostility. Whatever. Whatever. We're not mad. We're not hostile. We're not going to be mad at anybody. We're going to love our neighbor no matter who our neighbor is, no matter how our neighbor acts. That's, that's Whatever. No, we're going, to do a, we're going to pursue peace. We're not going to act the way uh, we're acted at or on. That's not who we are. We're not of this world. Come on. We pursue peace with all people. We're not, we're not the judge of the world. We're the salt of the world. We're the light of the world. Come on. No. So we pursue peace with all people and while we're pursuing peace and holiness. Pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, I have thought of this word almost all my Christian life, holiness. And what's it, what's it, what's it really, what's it mean? Because there was a time in my life that I thought it meant little dots and I's and, you know, T's and don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. No, you probably shouldn't do that. No, don't, no, no, don't, don't, don't go there. Don't, don't, you know, holiness. How do I, what is, how do I pursue holiness? And I can remember back in the early days when Carol and I were just, you know, married and we were in Pentecostal churches and, and, you know, women couldn't wear makeup. I mean, what a tragedy, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and, uh, and you had to sneak out to go to the movies and, and, uh, you know, uh, whatever, but so like, okay, but how do I, what's, what's the, what is the measure? How do I know if it's, if it, if it's holy enough or if it's, how do I, how do I, how does, you know, and so thinking it through, praying it through, I felt the Lord spoke this to my heart. And this is what I would call the definition of holiness. It's holy his. Holiness. It's a heart that says, set me apart and set me aflame. It's a heart that says, I am absolutely, completely, entirely yours. Holy his. You have my heart. And there's no part of me that does not belong to you. Holiness. Holiness. And I think that there are three words that describe a totally committed follower of Christ more than any other three words. I believe these are the three words that are the true test and the true measure of true discipleship. These three words. Forsaking all others. forsaking all others. That's what I said to my wife to give myself exclusively to her for the rest of our life, forsaking all others. No other God, no other good, no other goal, forsaking all others, holy his. I'm going to ask our team to come as I read to you from Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her 
that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy. And without blemish. That she should be holy. She should be holy. And without blemish. The New Living Translation says to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. She will be wholly his, forsaking all others. Not in the next life, in this life, right here and right now. What's coming? What's ahead for us? What's ahead for our children? Can we discern the day? Can we discern the age? that we are in right now. Hostility. Harvest. Holiness. Increased opposition to a king and a cause. Probably. Increased opposition, but increased opportunity to multitudes and multitudes who are in the valley of decision, Joel 3.14, multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Increased opposition to a king and a cause. Increased opportunity to multitudes in the valley of decision and an increased obsession for a holy his life. To live my life forsaking all others, to live my life in holiness, holy his. A forsake, a casting off of Christianity light. A casting off of our casual, western, modern, easy on me Christianity. If it's easy on me, that's my kind of Christianity. Casting it off, casting it off. Set me apart, set me aflame, casting it off. I'm done with Christianity light. James said, when I'm, I know he wrote this to me. James said, when I'm half-hearted, when I'm half-hearted, I'm wavering and I'm unstable. I know that's the truth. No matter how loud I shout or how much I try to appear different. When I'm half-hearted, I'm wavering and I'm unstable. Holiness. Not half-hearted, not two-faced, not lukewarm. Holiness. 
wholly his. I'm all in and it's all him. Come on, somebody. I'm all in and it's all him. Stand with me. Stand with me, would you please? I'm all in and it's all him. The world, the world may become more hostile, whatever. It's not novel. And to be honest with you, there are degrees of hostility, like hostility in Australia doesn't look like hostility in North Korea. But harvest will increase in the earth. This yeast is permeating. It's permeating every part. It's permeating this kingdom come. This will be done on earth. This will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. From the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, even though violent men resist it. Well, resist away. But I will build my church. And I'm coming back for her. And you know what? She's going to be bold and beautiful. And she's going to be holy. Holiness will increase in the church because so many... So many, and I'm so excited about this young generation. I've had the privilege of watching different generations at my age. I've never been more excited about a generation than I am this very young generation that's coming up because they would be the first to tell you they don't want anything plastic or fake or easy or boring. Whereas some in my generation find that totally acceptable. Holiness is increasing. Holiness is increasing in the church of Jesus Christ. Holiness, holiness. We can't make a difference if we're not different. Holiness, holiness in Jesus' name. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heart? Would you surrender your heart to the Lord? It's possible there may be more hostility. That's very possible. But I'm telling you, it's very much prophesied that there will be harvest. I will build my church. I will build my church. Harvest, harvest, harvest. Multitudes are in the valley of decision. But an increase in holiness, an increase in Christians who say, I'm not half-hearted. I'm not two-faced. I'm not lukewarm. Holiness, holy after God, holy His. I'm all in and it's all Him in Jesus' name. Come on, Heavenly Father, would you look at us, our hands and our heart, Lord, this morning. And Holy Spirit, would you breathe on us? Would you make us a church that is bold and brazen and beautiful? Would you make us harvesters that don't, we're not thinking about four months from now. We lift up our eyes and we lift up our heart and we look around and we see neighbors and nations. Well, Lord, we see friends and foes who are ready and ripe for harvest in Jesus' name. And Lord, may we be a people today that cast off the plastic and the half-baked and the sin that so easily besets. And may we be a heart after God people, a heart wholly set apart people, and unto you only people, a holy yours people, I pray in Jesus' name.